Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning and welcome to Leading Off with True Blue LA. I'm your host, Eric Steven. Uh, Friday was the salary exchange deadline for arbitration this year and the Dodgers made a number of deals uh, for 2023. Uh, They had 10 eligible players uh, for salary arbitration. Nine of them signed deals Friday. That's usually been the case. We'll talk a little bit more about the history of that a little later. Uh, Julio Urias was the big uh, uh, signee on Friday. He, he'll get $14.25 million in his final year before free agency after the season. That's a 78% increase over last year when he made $8 million. He was also, you know, he led the league in ERA, third in Cy Young voting. He had a really good year. Um, he's also going to be a free agent at the end of the year and uh, uncommonly young uh, for someone, uh, a pitcher heading into free agency. He's He turns 27 in August. So um, if you just look at recent history of free agent pitchers, um, like ignoring Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander for a second who've signed con- larger contracts on short terms as, a, as older pitchers, let's look at the, the top deals. Uh, from the last uh, three, four off seasons. So this year, Carlos Radon signed for six years, one hundred and sixty-two million from the Yankees. Uh, he was fifth and sixth in Cy Young voting the previous two years. He's three years older than Urias. This is a theme we'll we'll get here. Um, Robbie Ray in twenty twenty-two uh, signed five years, one fifteen uh, in Seattle. Uh, he literally won the American League Cy Young in the year before free agency, so they, he has that uh, over Urias in, in a way. But Robbie Ray is also three years older than Urias. Uh, in 2021, uh, Trevor Bauer, who, by the way, was released by the Dodgers on Thursday after clearing waivers, um, he got $102 million over three years. Now, that again, a short-term deal, um, but also three years older than Urias, and Bauer was coming off of a Cy Young win. Um, 2020, Garrett Cole... Got the sort of outlier of all these pitcher contracts, I think. Uh, nine years, $324 million from the Yankees. $36 million a year uh, and, and over nine years. Um, so he finished second and fifth the previous two years. Also had a fourth place Cy Young uh, finish before that when he was in Pittsburgh. He's two, year, he was, he's two years older than Urias is now uh, when he uh, went through, uh, went into free agency. Um, Garrett Cole also... Um, had a number. He led the majors at 326 strikeouts. He um, 200 innings for the previous five seasons heading into free agency. Urias has never done that. Um, 
He also had a dominant postseason, uh, 172 ERA in five starts, went at least seven innings in all of them. Uh, so that was sort of Cole's thing. Uh, Steven Strasburg, whose Nationals beat Garrett Cole's Astros in that 2019 World Series, was also a free agent in 2020. Uh, he signed, uh, re-signed with the Nats for seven years, $245 million. So a little bit less in average value, $35 million a year, but and a little and fewer years. Uh, was fifth in Cy Young the previous year. Also had a third place finish a few years before that. He's he was four years older than Urias is now. So Strasburg was also the glaring cautionary tale from the, that group. You know, the general rule is pitchers break. You just don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, Strasburg in the three first three years of his contract has made a total of eight starts. So that's been a, a rough go uh, for Washington um, since that 2020 offseason. Uh, no pitcher has signed a free agent deal for more than five years until Rodone this year with his six-year deal with the Yankees. I mean, I, you think part of that is like, uh, I would say definitely pandemic-related, um, you know, at least the last two years. But, you know, this year we've seen spending go up. But if you look at it, like a lot of the, like Aaron Judge, right, on the position player side, he got $40 million a year for nine years. Um, but a lot of the other longer deals like Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts and those type of a deals were like mostly longer, but like with a more manageable average annual value, like uh, Trey Turner essentially got his average annual value is like 27. Um, uh, Xander Bogarts is in that range as well, or a little bit less. Uh, Carlos Correa, obviously he went through a, a, a crazy off season, you know, signing three different deals. Uh, you know, getting two physicals, um, giving the Giants and the Mets pause. But even with that, his reduced deal with the Twins was six years, $200 million. So that average guarantee is 33 and a third. So you figure, um, you know, going right for like a top, top free agent type person is going to be 30, uh, 30 million plus. But like outside of Cole and Strasburg, uh, uh, that in 2019 we haven't really seen super long deals in that variety. But again, if Urias has a year like he has the last two, he finished uh, seventh, uh, tied for seventh in a, a stacked National League Cy Young in 2021, um, and he was third this last year. Like if he has another really strong year like that, he he could set himself up very nicely for next off season. But for now, uh, one more year with the Dodgers at least uh, and 14.25 million Walker Bueller. Um, he has two years left until free agency. Uh, he signed for eight, just over 8 million this year, 8.025. Um, he might not pitch this year. He's coming off Tommy John surgery and flexor tendon repair from last August. I guess you could make a case that he might be able to like come back in late September or September and October as some sort of a bullpen role and then just sort of go into the off season like normally. I think the the general thought is he's kind of out of sight, out of mind till 2024. But um, I advocated previously in sort of previewing his um, arbitration is that I thought the Dodgers should have just signed a two-year deal now. The general, yeah, there's no real set rule but a lot of pitchers who are injured uh, going into an RB have like multiple years. They tend to get roughly the same amount. Like like the next year, if they either don't pitch or very like maybe barely pitch. So 
I thought it would have been it wouldn't have have affected the competitive balance tax like average annual value much if at all. Um, but yeah, they just went they're going year to year now, and that's that's fine. That's what they do. Um, Will Smith was the big one on the position player side, uh, catcher, first time ARB eligible for Smith. Um, so he got five point two five million. Uh, one of the notes I put in his sort of summary was that uh, since his debut with the Dodgers in on May 28, 2019, Smith has 72 home runs. The only catcher in baseball with more than that is Salvador Perez, who has 82. So um, Dustin May uh, was uh, got $1.675 million. Uh, in his first year of arbitration, he's coming off Tommy John surgery. He made six starts and was kind of spotty down the stretch for the Dodgers. Uh, but, you know, going to go into, you know, hopefully a healthy full season for him. And then the they had four relievers, all avoided ARB. Uh, Yancy Almonte, Evan Phillips, Bruce Dargratterall, Caleb Ferguson. Uh, Ferguson w- got the lowest salary of the group, $1.1 million. Yancy Almonte got the most. Um, so, yeah, like uh, those four uh, combined for... Uh, 182 ERA and 182 and two-thirds innings last year. So they were very, very good. Um, the only arbitration-eligible player who did not agree to a contract with the Dodgers was Tony Gonsolin, who's coming off of a career year of his own. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about him and uh, the team uh, after the break. So uh, Tony Gonsolin is the lone unresolved arbitration-eligible player on the Dodgers this year. He filed for uh, 3.4 million uh, for 2023. The Dodgers filed at 3 million. Um, should they fail to reach an agreement, there would be an arbitration hearing um, this year. That means sometime between uh, January 30th and February 17th um, in in St. Petersburg, Florida. This uh, this is going to be the first in-person um, arb hearing since 2020, uh, just before the pandemic started. Um, and this is what they sort of generally do. Like they alternate year by year, like one year it's in Florida where, you know, half the major league teams are for spring training. The next year it'll be in Arizona, that sort of a thing. But, um, I remember one year, I can't remember the exact year, but, uh, being in spring training and Kenley Jansen was, uh, it took a little bit. They, I, hmm. Wow, I can't remember exactly when this was, but um, Kenley Jensen avoided arbitration like uh, relatively late in the process or like a good way through. And I believe the arbitration hearing was going to be in Arizona and like they were planning to like fly from from uh, from Arizona to Florida, excuse me. And that just seems like a big hassle, especially given, I mean, like now the last few years, we can see how easy stuff is to go do over Zoom. It does seem like an unnecessary expense um, to do such a thing, but that's that's the nature of the business. Um, so generally, if it goes to a hearing, um, both sides, player and team, they have representatives um, doing the case. Uh, they'll present to a three-person arbitration panel. That panel will pick between one of the two um, numbers, salary figures that were exchanged, no in between. Um, generally, though, the arguments tend to be like uh, you're playing against the midpoint. So with Gonsolin, it's $3.2 million, right in the middle. So his side will argue that he is worth at least $1 more than the midpoint. So you can sort of sway your argument that way. The Dodgers, conversely, will be... One dollar less than the midpoint, that sort of a thing. 
But, um, you know, they could also very uh, well reach an agreement. There's nothing preventing them from continue to, continuing to negotiate um, between now and when a hearing might be. Um, so we are, though, in, we're in the ninth year of Andrew Friedman running the Dodgers front office. They've generally been a file and trial team. Um, that sort of it means basically that um, if players and team, if the player and the team can't reach an agreement before the salary exchange date uh, in, in mid-January each year, that, that was, again, Friday this year, January 13th, then the team stops negotiating, basically, and will instead just proceed to a hearing. The sort of rationale behind it is to um, prevent, I guess, both sides in a way from, like, delaying, like, just knowing that the negotiations don't really ramp up till the end. Um, and then it's just sort of setting a, a, way, uh, a way to sort of foster deals to get done in that case, um, rather than sort of pussyfooting around, I guess, is the best way to put it. Uh, and again... Like the Dodgers have sort of acted this way in in a way, but um, they don't also. I don't think they they generally have like hard and fast rules. Friedman has said this multiple times. So, but how they've acted have, has sort of been like like a file and trial type team. So in those nine years under Friedman, seventy Dodgers have been arbitration eligible. Um, this isn't counting like folks who were non tendered. Like Cody Bellinger was going to be arbitration eligible this this winter, but then the Dodgers non tendered him. He's not in this group. I'm talking about players still on the team um, going through the arbitration process. The Dodgers reached agreement with 90% of those players, 63 out of 70, um, before the exchange deadline. So it's sort of an effective strategy in that it sort of gets deals done, I guess. Um, Six times before this year, the Dodgers have exchanged salaries. Four of those times, the Dodgers ended up coming to an agreement on a multi-year deal um, that covered... Uh, more than one arbitration year. So again, it's not like, it's like I said, it's not a hard and fast rule. Like they, they, they might not like with Gonsolin, who knows, but they might not negotiate, like continue to negotiate on just a 2023 deal, but he still has, he's a super two this year. So he has up to four arbitration years. So they very well could still like, you know, throw ideas out there for like a multi-year deal. Um, the, the previous ones to do this were Max Muncie and Chris Taylor before 2020, Muncie signed a deal for all three of his Arbiers. Taylor signed a deal for his last two Arbiers. Uh, before 2021, Walker Bueller, who was a Super 2, signed a two-year deal. Austin Barnes signed a two-year deal um, for his final two arbitration years. So that leaves two players who didn't reach agreement, so they went to a hearing. Two hearings in 2020. It was the first time the Dodgers had an arbitration hearing since Joe Bimel in 2007. Um, that In 2020, they beat... Jock Peterson, uh, and then Pedro Baez won his case uh, against the Dodgers. No no word on how long the actual hearing took, but you have to figure Baez probably had a longer case, uh, just given his nature. Um, but so if we look at, um, you know, the seven Dodgers players who have now exchanged salaries, on one hand, you're thinking like $400,000 difference is really not that much, but it's also, Gonsolin's like not quite, it's not like the relievers who are all between 1.1 and 1.5 million. Um, but, you know, it, as a percentage, uh, they're 13.3% off. So Gonsolin's um, submission is 13.3% higher than the Dodgers. 
That's kind of in line with where Pedro Baez was at, 14.3% in 2020. Also that year, Max Muncy and the Dodgers were 16.9% apart. The only difference, smaller than Gonsolin, um, among this, again, small group of seven uh, players to exchange salaries, Chris Taylor in 2020, he was 10.5% difference, ended up signing a two-year deal. So who knows how this is going to end, but at least with Gonsolin, we have a midpoint. Um, We also, with all the deals... We have a clearer picture of the Dodgers' payroll. There's now 21 players under contract for 2023. That includes Miguel Rojas, who the Dodgers acquired by trade from the Marlins on Wednesday. He'll make $5 million this year. We have salary uh, exchange figures for Gonsolin. Like his midpoint is 3.2, so just using that as sort of a rough estimate of where we're at. Plus, um, uh, again, the aforementioned release of Trevor Bauer. Uh, the sort of sobering note on on this year's payroll, uh, Trevor Bauer is going to be the highest paid Dodger this season. Even if Bauer signs elsewhere for the major league minimum, which this year is seven hundred and twenty thousand, Dodgers would still be on the hook for about twenty one point eight million this year. So, uh, Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts have long term deals with average annual values higher than that, um, but also have a lot of deferred money. Like Freddie Freeman this year gets twenty million. Uh, Mookie Betts this year uh, also he ends up getting 17 million. His was like a, def- a lot of deferrals plus um, it- it's a little bit more backloaded. Like his salary this year was only 20 million. Um, Eight million of that is deferred to later, but he also gets f- five million as part of his uh, big signing bonus. So a little confusing. And then Kershaw makes 20 million this year. So again, Trevor Bauer, uh, highest paid player. But uh, just factoring all those in, plus assumptions for filling out the roster, uh, the Dodgers' payroll for competitive balance tax purposes is roughly $236 million right now. So that's a little bit over the first tax thre- threshold for two, of $233 million. But it's also been obvious for a few weeks that the Dodgers were going to be over this year. Basically, once the arbitrator's the decision uh, was reached for Trevor Bauer in uh, December, um, it was going to be really hard, if not impossible, for the Dodgers to get back under. I mean, they technically still can. They can make moves and shed salary, but uh, it's hard to justify the type of moves that would require that. Um, so I just uh, I don't think that was that's going to happen. So now it's just a matter of what else they might add uh, before spring, tra- uh, spring training starts. And uh, another thing that happened this week was we actually have concrete dates for when spring training starts. Um, so that's what we'll end with today. So pitchers and catchers uh, have their first workout at Camelback Ranch with the Dodgers on February 16th. The first full squad workout is uh, for the Dodgers is February 20th. Um, but there's also the World Baseball Classic this year that throws a little bit of a wrench into it. Um, players who are playing in the World Baseball Classic report a little earlier. So for pitchers... Uh, that's February 13th. Uh, for the Dodgers, this means Clayton Kershaw, Julio Urias, and Will Smith, at least. Um, there's also, uh, for position players in the WBC, so like Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, they report on February 16th. So we have dates, uh, something to, a more concrete thing to look forward to now. Spring training is about a month away. That's it for us today. That's it for us this week. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and enjoy your weekend. <laughs>